I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard making Morris backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris, expanding by the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trot, goal! Hello and welcome to the Glover's Cast. It's me, Dave, here uh, together with Ian. And uh, tonight we're going to be going back in time once again. Uh, We're going back to a time in the early 1990s. I mean, uh, uh, supporters of Yeovil Town today will remember last summer when there was a crowdfunder, when um, fans were really rallying together to try and raise funds for the uh, for, for the club. But that same situation happened in the early 1990s, around the time that the club moved from the old Hewish, which many people will know today as the Tesco in the middle of town, um, out to Hewish Park, uh, what seems to have been our home forever. Um, but around those times, two supporters from that period have uh, joined us, and that's Tim Lancaster and Will Renner. So to start with, Tim and Will, welcome to the Glover's Car. Thank you, Dave. So, Tim, I wonder if I could start off with you and just ask you to sort of take us back to that time in the, would it have been 1991, 92, something in that time when the club were moving from Hewish to Hewish Park, is that right? Yeah, yeah, Dave. Well, first of all, good evening, gents. Um, yes, it, uh, to be honest with you, I, you can probably take the take the whole thing back all to the to you know to the eight to the eight, 1986-87 season. Really, um, obviously, the, the the move occurred in the early nineties. But um, well, my my memories really, I mean, the whole thing sort of more or less started there when the so, summer of nineteen eighty six, when the you know the prospects of a new ground were first raised. And um, I, I can remember, Dave, many people back then thinking that this move was, you know, just around the corner. I mean, 1986 was quite a long time ago. Obviously, we were in the Vauxhall Opal League at the time, not even in the uh, what's now the National League, um, you know, fighting out with Wickham Wanderers for that uh, for that league. But, yeah, I mean, 1986, 1987, it was sort of put forward. A lot of people were hopeful. Um, basically, I think the club had looked at it because of the, Obviously, after the the Bradford fire reports, a lot of clubs were left with sort of hefty bills um, for sort of ground safety work, and that you know pretty much changed everything. The planning application for Hamston went through, and that sort of you know moved on into the you know in, into the turn of the decade, really eighty nine ninety. So uh, yeah, then we were left you know with uh, with a situation where well, it's quite an overwhelming majority of people that uh, you know the, the shareholders of the club i think it was 91 percent or something voted to to sell hewish 
I wonder how that would go down now. But, um, <laughs> you know, a town centre site. Uh, so, yeah, Dave, I'm sort of saying, really, it was, you know, from sort of mid-80s onwards, this was mooted. I think, to be honest with you, and I'm sure, you know, when we speak to the other guys, they'll probably say that at the point in time, the board were very much out of touch with the supporters. Uh, it was stated that, you know, it would almost cost a quarter of a million pounds even to cover the, the goals behind the, you know, put cover behind the goals at that point. And, and a lot of supporters really felt quite insulted by the actions of the board, you know, Jerry Locke and the board at the time. And uh, I don't know what the other chaps felt about that, really. I mean, I, I can remember the club saying at the time that they would rather have people sit at the stadium because, because you know, it lessened the, 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 the chance of trouble. But, you know, there, obviously there wasn't a lot of trouble at Yeovil Games. I, I think the board alienated the fans around that time. So then we found ourselves in the situation at Hewish Park, as I say, about, you know, in, in the early 90s. Yeah. Will, you were a very young man at that, that point. I don't suppose you were planning much trouble, <clears throat> were you? <laughs> Not really, no. My first game was uh, January 87, which was also Brian Hall's first game in charge. Um, uh, uh, an inspiring nil-nil draw, which got me hooked, obviously. And... Um, <laughs> I, I then started going regularly, sort of 88 to 90. So I really remember Hewish very fondly. The um, the teas and coffees in the long room and uh, the smell of Bovril and uh, the wooden stand, which is what Tim just alluded to, why we had to move, really, because that was a, a real fire hazard. And, um, yeah, I don't um, – all, all I remember was the excitement around the new ground. And um, I was speaking to my mum about this the other day, and she said uh, – used to make a drive past the building site of a new ground so we could go and look at it and take photos, which was a, a bit geeky. I was geeky even then when I was about <laughs> 10 or 11. Yeah, so um, it was, yeah, so I was about 10. When we moved grounds, what was that, August 90, I was I was just 11. So um, that's, so I don't really remember much about any of the politics around it. I just uh, mm. remember thinking this is a lovely new ground. We used to get crowds about 2,000, 2,500 at Hewish. And as soon as we moved into the new ground, everything looked bright and everyone was excited. And there was like three, three and a half thousand there every week. Right. And, and Tim, if you were, I mean, what was the reason given for, for moving? Was it basically that, you know, Hewish, where it was, was a, you know, a real prime spot, wasn't it? Right in the town centre. Was it just the, the value of the land was just too good an opportunity to turn down for the board of time? I think it was at the time, Dave, to be honest with you. And, you know, in hindsight, obviously, in the time, the massive time delay between, you know, selling Hewish and moving to Hewish Park is it was what effectively caught caught the board out, caught the club out. Um, yeah, the reasons I think there was a lot going on in football at that time, wasn't there? You know, as I said earlier with Bradford, um, you know, the Bradford fire caused uh, and, all the, you know, the stuff that went on there. I don't ever. I don't don't fault Jerry Locke for I mean his plans at the time were very very um forward thinking in many ways and and what you have to remember Dave is I mean probably you know you guys know at the time not many clubs had moved to new you know to new stadium I think it was us and Scunthorpe did it at the time and I think Walsall followed shortly afterwards so you had three pretty similar new grounds going up Yeovil's was you know it was it, it was very highly, you know, it was, it was very highly thought of when it went, when, when we first moved in there. And like like Will said, suddenly the crowds went up. Suddenly we, you know, we started off really well there. Uh, and, uh, so, and things just looked up for us, didn't they? Until, as we'll discuss earlier, you know, the bombshell of what it actually cost us, yeah. you know, was announced. Did yeah, and it was a... come out quick, pretty quickly, did it? Or, or was, did it take yeah. a while for the move to settle in before we realised or fans realised what the the implication of the move was. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Tim, but I seem to recall it was fairly quick because Brian Hall went in about mm. the October, didn't he? Um, it was, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hall was sacked, and, wasn't he? Clive Whitehead was appointed, wasn't he, I believe? That's right. But I don't think that um, Whitehead would have been particularly cheap and he brought in quite a lot of expensive players who, of course, went on to be quite household names for us, like Paul Batty, Richard Cooper, Steve Harrower, Brian McDermott, you know, some really big names. We did, we did yeah. Um, we... So they can't have been cheap. So I, I think probably maybe the financial ruin sort of became a bit more apparent after that because then Whitehead didn't last very long. But I don't, obviously I don't recall it that well, having been so young. No, I think, well, I mean... The project obviously 
to move took the best part of sort of you know probably well five years i guess and the the, the you know around the ryan hall being you know leaving departing and the you know clive whitehead arriving i know that i can remember where i can remember there being a lot of unpopularity because whitehead couldn't work with hall's players he was left with all the brian hall players and i guess at this point i think i mean i'm probably talking 1991 now well i am mm. I, you know from the research i've done and, and the memories i have it, it then everything started to go a little bit it, bit wrong the results started to change under Clive Whitehead I don't know if people remember but I, we, we suffered a long string of consecutive defeats and, the, and then it was about that time that you know all the all manner of grief started to rain down on Jerry Locke um, this was obviously in the initial season at Jewish Park so it, it all sort of you know that's when he was asked to step down so obviously we then faced a new era after that really when uh, Brian Moore took over and I think that's when um, we started to see the real scale of it, because I, I remember, well, I don't really remember it that well being so young, but there was the meeting at the Mecca Bingo Hall, wasn't there? And uh, that was that spring, 91, I think. And things came to light. So we'd spent the previous summer, our record transfer fee on Joe Jackson, who was frankly useless. Um, <laughs> well, he, he wasn't that bad, but he seemed not as good <laughs> as Andy Wallace, for example. And... No, um, no. and um, We'd also spent probably a similar amount of money on some fancy carpet in the in the ground, which everyone still talks about to this day. I mean, you can you can stub a fag out on it and it won't burn. You know, it's super carpet. <laughs> and um, you know, we'd spent a huge amount of money. And then all of a sudden, it's revealed we're in more than a quarter of a million pounds worth of debt, and the club yeah. goes to the wall yeah. overnight. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it, yeah. Like I said earlier, I think with initially, initially. And if you have taken it back to the media, I don't, I probably, I don't, Jerry Locke's move, you know, his thoughts were, were quite forward thinking, but five, six years later, we'd got ourselves in this tangle, hadn't we? The, you know, the club had overspent on the stadium. The Obviously, the, the cost of building the stadium had gone up because, you know, of inflation and, and such. And like you mentioned earlier, Will, you had these players who probably didn't come cheap. And, you know, when when the, the much-famed, Mecca, you know, the meeting at the bingo hall, you know, was was came about. Yeah, how it was did quite... that come about in that meeting? Because it's not. I mean, today we, like I say, last summer we we were in a position. I know we're all in the world of uh, social media now, aren't we? Which obviously wasn't about yeah. him. But how did how do you remember hearing about that meeting? I mean, who who <laughs> who brought everyone together in the first place? Oh, Dave, I, I, I you know what? You're taking me back to the Mr. Time. I mean. I can remember it was a very it was a very dark night, a very well, you know, literally and <laughs> in you know, it, it was actually a very dark night. I think I got the bus in. I think I came in on the bus from the village that I lived in at the time out in you know, in in Dorset. Um and I can remember there was a there was a lot of people there. There was there's around a thousand people, nine nine hundred to a thousand people there. The meeting must have, from what I can, the meeting must have come around. I mean, obviously, most of the time then you've got your information through the Western Gazette. I mean, even going back that far, you know, social media wasn't in any way what it is now. Um, and, yeah, it was pretty highly emotional from what I can remember. There's a lot of people making quite impassioned speeches. Um, you know, the club was literally on its knees and about to die. Yeah. So, so that's, my, that's my memories, really, of it. Yeah, all well, I really remember about it is that it was just a lot of shouting and swearing and I was about 11, so I had to go home to yeah. bed. <laughs> Did you learn some swear words that night, Will? I think I probably already knew them, Dave, to be honest. <laughs> so not a lot really changed then, has it, Where Will with the older shouting. Yeah, yeah, it's still the same these days, isn't it, up there? Yeah, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so there was that 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 meeting, and then um, was was that around the time when there were there were bucket collections at the matches, and we were we were at uh, Hewish Park by that point, were we? Yeah, yes, we were we at Hewish Park. Yeah, we were, and um, then we had. I remember my dad being particularly impressed because um, Richard Digence, who was some kind of famous singer from the East End, he suddenly became involved and had this appeal, and we had all these bucket collections and stuff as well, mm, and. Mm. I remember every week for 
well over a season. So this would have been 90 to 91, I guess. And then the yeah. following season as well, every week putting my, however much pocket money I've got in those days, 50p or a pound a week probably, in the bucket. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's, it's mad really. And the, the amount of money collected in those bucket collections, some weeks was a £1,000. You know, yeah. people were all chipping extra money and on top of what they paid to get in to keep the club afloat. Yeah. I think... I mean... That's quite something, isn't it, at the, at, at the time, you know, because uh, for, for people to feel that strongly, to put the money in. As I say, I know this, this last summer we've had people raffling shirts and, and, and doing all of that. I mean, and we're probably not in a position. I mean, when you compare the way we are now or the way we were last summer with, with that period, I mean, is there any comparisons you can draw or was the early 90s uh, you know, it sounds like we were really on the edge of literally disappearing. Yeah, I think we were. I mean, I, I, I've mentioned a couple of times now, I don't blame Jerry Lott for the move initially. I think he had every good intention, but he was responsible for, the, you know, in the end, and for, for, he was pushed out, more or less responsible for, you know, what could have been the death of the club. It was, you know, looking back on it, it was, you know, obviously Brian Moore, who a lot of people have very fond memories of, was, well, Brian was really sort of almost pushed into the chair and, you know, he was like us guys, really, pretty much a supporter and managed to put a new board together. So it was, I don't know, I mean, to be honest with you, it was, it took a long while from, from that point for times to change, Dave. But yeah. I would pretty much say that him coming on the board with people like, well, he had, you know, Tony Williams was on the board at that point, the chap who did the, non-league football directory I think you had um, you know people remember the names Alan Houghton Mike Spearpoint George Smith I mean all these people came on and it did seem to suddenly you know we took new initiatives and yeah I mean Will mentioned the buckets yes the buckets were raising money but yeah the buckets did raise some amounts of money we had we were very lucky to have Alan Skirton the commercial manager who <laughs> came up came up with the idea of the you know raffling the shirt sponsorship I think that was a big turning point. And, and from then on, I think we, you know, we realised how close we had been to actually going under. And did yeah, that, I did, mean, when... Sorry, carry on. I was going to say, did that bring fans, you know, a lot closer together? Because I think now when you think about the situation at Hewish Park, there is a lot of division and, and you know... Fans can't agree on what the next steps are, what the best steps yeah. are. Did that did that bring people together? That's a hard question, really, isn't it? Because how do you, if we'd had the internet back then, when this situation was going on, I imagine that you know the likes of Cyberspace and the forums would have been absolutely. You didn't, yeah, you did sense division. You said, I don't know, you would have been in such a bad way for many years that. When it was almost different because you would go to the games, vent your feelings, and go home. Whereas now, I, you know, times are different, aren't they? We can all go home and vent them on the uh, on the forums and such, can't we? Yeah, I mean, in in those days, I used to get my news from the Western Gazette. And living yeah. in Sherborne, got the Sherborne edition. You didn't get the Town news in the Sherborne edition. It was ridiculous. No. Anyway, that's an aside. <laughs> I'm still annoyed about it. Um, but you used to um, you used to see people like Tim writing into the letters page of the Western Gazette to vent their op opinions, you know. <laughs> that was about it, Will, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was. And the only other news you got was on CFAX. If yeah. people, you know, look it, look it up, kids. And, um, you know, there was no mobile phones. You just said, no. I'll see you next week, mate. And you no. saw the same people the following week. And if someone yeah. wasn't there sitting there in the stand next to you, you thought, is he dead or has he just not turned up this week? You know, it's that kind of thing. Yeah. I can remember, I can remember, because it was about the time when I was, you know, really, really following the club, really, you know, a lot, uh, you know, pretty much every game. And I can remember a lot of hostility towards Jerry Locke at certain mm -hmm. games. And people, people my age group will remember that, you know, you'll know, who, you know, the guys will know who they are. There was a lot of hostility. There was a lot of hostility, you know, and a lot of bad stuff went went on. Um, but, I mean, the stuff that went on was probably justified. The mm -hmm. abuse, he was yeah, hounded yeah. out. He was hounded out pretty quickly, though, wasn't he? And then we changed he the was. name of the Jerry, the Jerry Lock stand, which is the main stand now, to um, yeah. just the main stand fairly quickly and rapidly after oh, uh, yes. he went. Yeah. It was yeah, quite nice at the time, especially at away games. Mm. Yeah. 
um, we, we, we go on to um, uh, the thing that a lot of people remember is that uh, FA Cup tie against Arsenal, um, which I know a lot of people talk about that being the, you know, the match that saved the club. I mean, were either of you guys at the, the game prior to that, the one that uh, at Hereford was an FA Cup replay, wasn't it, that we, we played there? I think Tim scaled a fence to invade the pitch, didn't you, Tim? I did, Will, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So tell, tell us about that night. Uh, the, the first game against Hereford, we played at uh, Hewish Park, didn't we? And, and we we drawn that, if I'm right. Is that right? Yeah, it was nil-nil. It was nil-nil. And we always used to get absolutely massive crowds for cup games, regardless of we how did. we were doing in the league. So you might be getting 2,000 a week in the league, but 8,000 turned yeah. up that Hereford game. Right. It was, Will. 8,000. Yeah, just over 8,000, wasn't it? And then... Yeah. Yeah, the... Yeah, the game at Her- I mean, the game at Hereford was well, obviously the draw had been made by then, hadn't it? We knew we'd get Arsenal. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like Will says, I did a little bit of fence guard. I don't know how I did it. I, I, I did, and thankfully David's namesake came up with the, you know, uh, Neil came up with the goal at uh, right yeah. at the end there that I think is still rolling towards the goal line now. It's just um, just absolutely amazing. I can just re- remember the the kind of buzz around the town about oh, yeah. the whole thing. It was just incredible because we we yeah. played QPR late eighties and there was a bit of a buzz around that. But it was really the yeah. best cup run we'd had for many many years. It, it was well, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I think it kind of it kind of the Arsenal game kind of sort of almost overshadowed what you know the club had, you know because by this then then i you know you'd had alan Skirton doing the sponsorship deals and stuff like that, you know pulling in the, the raffles for the you know for the club sponsors which was a massively brilliant idea well it wasn't his idea we got it from bogner just actually but uh, yeah i mean the, but the arsenal game and neil's goal was was the match that pretty much saved the club if we had drawn say you know if we'd been drawn away to scunthorpe the club probably would have gone under it's just luck, isn't it? It's just chance. Mm-hmm. It is. It is, Dave. It's like the old Exeter Man United, Man United Exeter thing, isn't it? You get that draw, and you know that changes the destiny of the whole club. And I think that changed it, don't you, Will? I think. I think that's pretty much. <clears throat> it did. We weren't. We weren't out of the woods after that. I think it, no. it's interesting. I just. I think about the different managers we had through that period. So I think about the FA Cup in the nineties, and I think Clive Whitehead five nil defeat away to Brentford, which was horrendous. I went with my dad, and it was just mm-hmm. embarrassing. And um, and then there was like the Oval fans fighting with Brentford fans, and it was just dreadful the whole day. And yeah. then um, Steve Rutter came in the following spring. So White had actually got on a little run of results the following spring, didn't he? And he got um, he got us back to a point where it looked like we might stay up because it looked like we were going to get relegated, which would have been absolute disaster at that point. Um, but yeah. then he got sacked. He got sacked after winning two or three games in a row, I think. And then Steve Rutter's first game in charge, we yeah. beat Slough 7-2 in a yeah. like 80-mile-an-hour gale where um, David Fry scored, Fry, goalkeeper, yeah. scored direct from uh, a drop kick. It was just incredible. And then the following game, you were asking about togetherness to the fans. The following game, I think we played Sutton on Easter Monday, maybe. Um, mm. It might not have been Easter, but it was, a, it, was a, like, um, it was the next game, I think. And we were 1-0 down. And they were down in the relegation zone, I think. And if we hadn't got something out of that, we'd probably have been in real, real trouble. And all of a sudden, we scored two late goals. And that was like pitch invasion in a league game. Yeah. And, and, yeah. The whole, and, and you've never heard 2,000 people make that much noise in your entire life. It was just incredible. Um, so there was a lot of passion and a lot of togetherness about that. And talk about Rutter. So Rutter's FA Cup record was amazing. Yeah, the following yeah. season, we beat Walsall. Richard yeah. Cooper, one of um, one of Whitehead's signings, scored a fantastic diving header in that game. So, and, and in the home game of that, the first game where we drew, we had about five thousand people at that. You know, we were still attracting people for cup games against league teams. I mean, w- imagine that now, saying we get five thousand because we're excited about Walsall. You know? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's incredible, isn't it? And it's, it's to think that you know that used to happen, and it was, wasn't it strange that when we were, you know, when we were in the football league, we would. Um, you know, almost the, the 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 cup crowds were predominantly low, weren't they? If we yeah, were it's, a, it's amazing, round. really. But the, the magic of the cup was was alive then. And Rutt had four giant four giant killings because the following year in the Arsenal Cup run, we beat Torquay away. What was it? Five two, I think. It and was. Um, Paul Batty, another of um, Whitehead's signings, he scored a hat trick, and he I think yep. he scored against Arsenal as well. 
Yeah, um, penalty, penalty legend, wasn't he? Penalty he was. He never he was. thought he was going to miss. No. So we beat Torquay and we beat Hereford. And then the following season, of course, um, we beat Fulham live on Sky yeah. in the days when nobody actually had Sky, but it was live on Sky nonetheless. Fulham <laughs> Yeah, that was and, uh, great. Ian, Ian doesn't like to talk. Well, doesn't like to talk about it on air anyway. But he's a bit of an Arsenal fan, so even he, he, he can, it'll be might be too long to remember Paul Vatty, but he'll be impressed at anyone who can beat David Seaman from a penalty. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is an achievement. Um, yeah, I mean the the, the, the Ian Wright hat trick is often replayed on a lot of things, isn't it? Um, was was the the atmosphere on that that day? You know. When we've played Liverpool and Man United recently, it's sort of just been a, you know, it's been nice to be a part of that sort of tie. Was there a feeling that this was an extra special game on, on that day because of where the club had, where the club was? Oh yeah, that, we were absolutely bouncing off the walls, excited as kids. You know, what was I then? I was thirteen or something, and it was um, mm. just. And it was just when I was starting to go and watch on the terraces with my mates. So it was my first big game on the terraces, I think, that one. And I don't know, there were these hats on sale. Everyone seemed to be wearing these hats, commemorative uh, green caps. And I just remember the atmosphere. If you watch it on um, like a, a, a replay, we actually had a decent chance before they scored. I think, I don't know who it was, maybe Wayne Dobbins cutting it back to Mickey Spencer, something like that. I don't know. I think it was, Will. Yeah, it feels like that. And my memory is fading there a long time ago. And just, um, I don't know, I can't really describe the atmosphere. It was actually in many ways much, much bigger than Liverpool or Man United at the time. It yeah. felt like it. Maybe it's just because I was 13, I don't know. Uh. The one thing I remember from that game was uh, uh, Ian Wright at the time couldn't get a uh, pick for England. And I, I just remember everyone singing at him, you'll, you'll never play for England. And he scored a hat-trick against us. Yeah. And, and, then, and then he just, at the end of the game, he came over, he held the ball up in one hand and three fingers up in the other hand. And you were like, yeah, you just yeah. got that. I mean, because he was... Yeah, I mean, that's, that's still one of the best goals. Still one of the best goals you'll ever see. Oh, yeah, just, just incredible. He made Andy Wallace. He wasn't a bad player at mm. all. Looked like an absolute idiot. I think it would have been interesting to see... Right, well, I mean, you know, right class, isn't he? But it was unfortunate for us that day, wasn't it? Because obviously, Mark Shale, our yeah. regular centre half, had got suspended, didn't he? And Andy had, you know, I don't know if I Wallace had to play there as a makeshift centre half, which I think, you know, I think Wright would probably still have dominated the show. But it would have been interesting oh, to see how we did with, with you know, Shale in there. Well, I don't think, obviously, you know, we'd have won the game or anything, but it mm. might have been a little bit closer. Yeah. Maybe. Mark, Mark Shell was an absolute beast, wasn't he? He was such Very a good much, player. Yeah. And we sold him to Bristol City just later that season for 50 grand. 50 grand yeah. in 1993 was a hell of a lot of money for an unleague club. So that was another thing that kept us afloat. So the Arsenal game, selling it Mark Shell to Bristol City. Um, but then, unfortunately, selling Mark Shell to Bristol City was really the uh, start of the downfall on the pitch, I think. Because that season, 92 to 93, as well as that FA Cup run, we fed, came fourth in the conference. And... Mm. Um, that was our best league finish since, I think, 1973 or something in yeah, terms of yeah. non-league football. And we didn't have a finish like that again until 2001. You know, we, we just went on a really downward spiral from that point. And it was great football. We had some great players um, that season. But, yeah, then it all fell apart. Shale left. Following season, we beat Fulham, of course, as I've said, live on Sky, which was fantastic. Wallace with his redemption. Mm. And um, then... Yeah, it all went wrong. All went horribly wrong. Rutter left, um, and then Brian Hall was back in uh, January of '94, I think, and it, it was just a horrible, horrible time of uh, division and anger again. Was it a case yeah, of was, trying to stuff. level out, you know, like balance the books a little bit, having gone, you know, been so close to going to the wall, to then trying to live within our means? Well. <laughs> It's, it, that's, I mean, it's a hard one to say, and it? it was a difficult one because, like Will said, we fourth place to us at the time in the, you know, was, was pretty much unknown territory, wasn't it? I mean, I, you know, I think that was the year that um, Wickham won the league. You know, Wickham won. It was the year. Wickham that's right. Yeah, it was. But I mean, you look at the other clubs around us at the time. I mean, Bromsgrove Rovers finished second, and you know, obviously they, they, you know, they, likes of them, Slough, you know, Slough, Stafford, they're all in the top six, seven, and. You look at what happened to those clubs, as obviously compared to what we went, you know, the journey we went on. And 
I think we, yeah, I don't think we were ever uh, going to sort of, we didn't seem to push on from that point, did we, did we really, to be honest? No, and then we got knocked out after we beat Fulham, of course. Bromsgrove Road knocked us out of the cup, didn't they? And went up, had they a did. really good, attractive third round. So I can't remember who against, but it was, uh, yeah. it was a bit of a gap. Uh, uh, yeah. I, remember, I remember that game because it was Steve Stott, wasn't it? He scored for Bromsgrove that day. He went it on was, to play yeah. for us, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah, they came down to us, didn't they? And I think they, um, yeah. Yeah, they brought quite a few down, I seem to remember. But uh, yes. I mean, and was they... it uh, around so, so around that time that like you said we sold Shell, we, we, we'd had that Arsenal game? I mean, financially, were we on a sounder footing by that, that point, by the sort of well, mid 90s? I think you have to remember, Dave, that we were in, by that point, over half a million pounds worth of debt. So although yeah. it was helping to make a dent in it, I, I don't think it was probably until John Fry came in that, uh, and actually became chairman and bought a new board in, which I think was 95 or 96. Yeah. I don't think it was until then that we actually got properly mm. sorted, really, mm. because... Had he brought something in there, John Fry, when he came in? Had he had he brought some finance in with him and that, that levelled it off? Or did the picture just improve by then? I don't know. What do you think, Tim? I don't know. Well, do you know, Will, I, 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 the financial side, I don't actually know the answer. I mean, I don't know what John Fry brought in on, you know, financially and put on the table. I was always under the impression that it wasn't, you know, massively... A significant amount of money. I mean, I know that the 1994-95 season, the you know the the club was. I think yeah, the 94-95. There's a there's been a drop in attendances, a big drop. Oh, in we attendances. were down. To, we were down to 1500, weren't we? We were. We were. But I think that season we were still pretty much one of the best. Well, we were. We're one of the best, if not the best. Yeah, I think we were top two or three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they. Uh, uh, from from the notes I've, I've made and worked and remember they 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 made a profit. I think they did make a profit. Yeah, they have ninety. Uh, I think ninety grand. Um, you know, looking at the, the figures they've got, you know, got in front of me. But I don't know if John bought in, no. you know, any significant financial he, he input bought, really. I think he bought in a new board and a new way he of doing a new things. board. Yeah, he did different yeah, ways. Yeah, because because Brian Moore, lovely, lovely man, and a Yeovil fan through and through. You know, cut him, he bleed yeah. green. You know, he was amazing. Um, by his own admission, he wasn't a savvy businessman no. or uh, or no. you know able to run an operation, um, no. as it were. So, I think um, you know. It, it, what you might describe as an honest amateur, just a fantastic mm. man and, and yeah. absolutely passionate about the club. But he was, yeah. um, you know, he, he he perhaps wasn't the right person to steer it. And, and John Fry came in immediately and with ambition. I can remember him saying, we want this to be a football league club. And you thought, mm. oh, yeah, fat chance of that at the moment. Mm. And, uh, you know, it wasn't actually that many years later that we were. Yeah. And I suppose... Now, his board was strong. He, he did bring a lot... Sorry, babe. Yeah, yeah just he, the people he brought in were, you know, there were some good people on there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and Ian, I don't know what what you think of this because I do remember that time when when John Fry came in, and do remember thinking of him as a you know a bit of a go getter and someone who, who felt like he was going to grab us by the scruff of the neck and, and, and sort us out. And uh, and fans today whose sort of memories maybe go back maybe ten or fifteen years, that isn't a John Fry that they recognise, is it? They wouldn't no. recognise that description of John Fry. No, but John Fry's in his mid to late 70s by the time they're thinking about him. And this is John Fry in his 50s and he's still a businessman. Now, Dave, mm. I know that you love John Fry, so um, <laughs> you're a little bit biased. Well, I, I'm a big fan of a, he's a, yeah, a good man. No, no, I, don't, I don't take anything away from John Fry because what, no. what was achieved under his stewardship was fantastic. It's just they stayed on too long. Yeah, I think he they were lovely with you there as well. They did. They were lovely people. Him and his wife, you know, Pam was his wife. I can remember him coming in and... You know, when John first came in and he, my, my lasting memory, you know, when he first came there, he was, he, he uh, I don't know, he was like talking to the fans and he just, you know, I was a nobody really. He just, he just said to me, I'll come down on the team bus tonight. I think we went to Fairham or somewhere in the FA Youth Cup. And it's those sort of memories that you don't lose, isn't it? You know, and he was, uh, he didn't really know many people at the club at that point. And uh, I, I began to, you know, had a good chat with him that night about what his ambitions were for the club. And you know, he always had time for you. And I think, as you said, chaps, he, he wasn't the John Fry that perhaps, you know, people think of, you know, in the last five years or so. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think going back to when he took, I don't know exactly when he took over, 95, 96, sometime around then, probably around similar time as Graham Roberts coming in, I don't know. But if you think back to that season, Tim, when uh, 94, 95, as you say, I think the previous season, Brian Hall had miraculously kept us up because I think we were looking doomed 93, 94. And I think we won seven out of our last 10 games or something mental and uh, somehow yeah. stayed up. And then the following yeah. season, though, first day of the season, I think we played Altrincham and we got absolutely smacked. We only lost 3-1, but we could have been 10 home game first day that. of the season. And um, you just thought, God, we're getting relegated this season, whatever mm. happens. And it was just, it was a funeral procession that season. It was absolutely dreadful. And then we had we had Walton and Hersham in the FA Cup where yeah. basically the fans turned on Brian Hall and it was ugly, ugly, ugly scenes. Yeah. And that was followed by a home game against Merthyr Tidville where we lost 3-1. Paul Wilson, Willow, and his wristband, his uh, bandage. And we, uh, he, he scored a fantastic overhead kick, probably one of the best goals he's ever scored in his life. And he was booed by the home fans. Yeah. That's how Famous. bad it got. That it is how bad fans. it got. Really it bad. And we had, I think, a couple of hundred people outside the ground protesting, trying to get in. To yeah. um, and, and you had Brian Moore hanging out of the window of the main stand yes. with a loud hailer telling yeah. everyone to go home and to disperse and whatever. And there was police horses charging them. There it was. was absolutely mad. I've never seen anything like it in my life. But it's quite exciting when you're 15, mm. you know. Yeah, I remember being 15 around that time as well, Will. <laughs> yeah. Dave, you're never as old as me. You don't look it, man. <laughs> <laughs> Following you Yeovil keeps you him young, I think. I haven't got the camera on. <laughs> no, I think I mean, uh, guys, I can remember. I can remember that night. Yeah, that night was like well said. It was the the, the hatred, the vitriol was not was. I hadn't seen that since the the Jerry Lock days. You know, the yeah. hatred you know, that, that that night against Merthyr. It was it was it was evil. I think we'd stayed like you said. We we'd stayed up the season before. I think we, yes, we had finished fourth from bottom. Mm. But you knew, you knew, didn't you? You after the you know the following. As you say, I can remember the Altrincham game. Oh and, God, and that. That 94-95 team, we had, it was a team of crap ponytails. It was um, Peter Mason in goal, who tried, who was absolutely useless, um, gave you no confidence whatsoever, or his defenders. And we had uh, Mark Coates up front, who was we also did. useless. Came from Merthyr Tidville. I'm, I'm not, and should I'm not have having there. him as a namesake, Mark Coates. No, they can keep, I'll have Neil Coates, but not Mark Coates. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he was, was absolutely rubbish. It was a strange game for that season. Details, I like that. And we had Ian, Ian Bembo as well. Oh, rubbish. Absolutely yeah. useless. I, I, was, I want to stop saying their names and hark back to some of the great players of the early, you know, <laughs> Robbie Carroll's, Mickey Spencer's. I mean, Mickey Spencer and Paul Wilson had, a, had a, tried a single-handedly to keep us up. I think they still scored 30-odd goals between them. But just, yeah, we had nothing. We had, we had Neil Cordice aged about a million coming back and walking around on a Zimmer frame in midfield. It was it just was grim, it? depressing. Yeah. Tiv Lowe as well, who must have been about 40. You know, yeah. just absolutely dreadful. And I think we finished that season, I think you talked about it with Graham Roberts on the, the thing you did with him. Yeah. Where everyone had this funny, strange thing that only one team was going to get relegated. And if we could beat Northwich, we could stay up. And, and it ended up being 4 4, and we got relegated anyway. 4 4, yeah. Yeah. Miserable. I think we only, I mean, going back to the season before, the 90, you know, the, 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 season, the, the 93, 94, we only stayed up, didn't we? I, I can remember that very vividly because I can remember we, we played, I think we played Staley Bridge on a Thursday night and we yeah. won 2 1. And then we, we, we played Macclesfield on the Saturday away. And we won up there. And I think those two results pretty much kept us up and overshadowed yeah. what was an exceeding, extremely poor team. I can remember that because I went to both with about, you know, a few others of us went up. And I think, you know, it was we just got lucky at the end of that season. Well, very, we, we very really lucky. should have gone down that year, to be honest. Because no, It's we, lucky we didn't, though, isn't it? Because if we'd gone down with Brian Hall in charge and in the financial state we were in, it could have been disaster. Oh, um, we probably wouldn't have got back up. No, probably never would have uh, had any of those adventures that we then subsequently went on in the next 10 or 15 years. You know, it's, um, it's amazing, really, to think back on on those kind of moments. As you said earlier, getting drawn with Arsenal instead of Scunthorpe in the FA Cup. Um, sure it is, isn't it? Yeah, it's just, it's just yeah. amazing. So um, if you guys, uh, to, not, not to uh, stop the uh, going back down memory lane, but... Uh, I mean, obviously, the two of you are, you know, still supporters of the of the club. I mean, when you look at the situation that the club is in now, obviously, you know, we've reached heights that you go back to the early nineties. If someone told you you'd be in the 
you know, the second tier of English football, you'd have thought they were, you know, smoking mm. something, wouldn't you? But um, I mean, having gone to those heights and now be back in the position we're in, and let's be honest, the period we're talking about now, being in the position we're in, would have been a pretty good position to be in, wouldn't it be? It's still been in the national yeah. league. Um, I mean, how do you look at it now? In terms of what do you what do you think the, the the situation is like now? Are there any comparisons that we can draw with with that period? Uh, and I and I say that not just because of you know what's gone on on the pitch, but also you know we're now had a, had a global pandemic, and you know the club has uh, you know we've been told has lost an awful lot of money. I mean, th- are there any comparisons that we can draw or or not? Mm, I'm not sure there are because. Then we had a very benevolent um, chairman, uh, and I'm not I'm not going to get you guys into trouble for saying stuff about the current uh, ownership whatsoever. But at that stage, we had a guy who bled green and white and would have died to save the club. Um, have we got that now? I doubt it. Um, so that that for me is the is the biggest worry, and probably the biggest mistake that John Fry made in all of this was the separation of the land from the stadium. Because that's just that just allows vultures to circle. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think like you, you lot, you know, you you chaps have probably felt like me. You know, the the anger about the needless way in which the club was relegated from the football league because it didn't need to be relegated from the league, did it? Let's face it, we're probably a perfectly sustainable league two club, and uh, to me, it it was anger. Uh, the mm. way it was all dealt with, we feel more or less wasted. Uh, or I'm sure you feel the same. It just seemed to me that they chucked the league status away with. Well, I'll will tell you how how I feel about it is that I can tell you what indicates how I feel about it. So I went to my first game in January '87. I was a regular, 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 as you'll know, home and away for many, many years. Mm. I had a season ticket '92 to '97 for Ince Uni, and they were dark years, apart from winning the Isthmian, and. Honestly, since the first Man United game in 2015, I've only been to two home games. Yeah, I've only been to two home games. I, I live away now. I live in Sussex, so it's a long way away. But um, I went to a random game at Easter 2016, which yeah. was just rub- And then I went to the game just after Badger sadly passed away and uh, the Boreham Wood game where they had the tribute to Badger. And I went to that just out of respect mm. for Badger as much mm. as anything. But I haven't been back because I did not. And obviously, we've had a pandem- pandemic since then, which hasn't helped. Um, but I hadn't been back because I didn't agree with Darren Way and what Fry and Haywood were doing. And I didn't, you know, it just wasn't right for me. Um, and it, it's like the slow death of, not, I don't want to call it the death of the club. It feels a bit like it's on its way downward rather than upward still, which is why I don't like the comparison with the early 90s too much. Um, mm. I just feel like we're in a, a period of, of, of very serious problems, essentially. And... I feel like I should support the club. I still like to go away from time to time, but I haven't felt like I wanted to give my money to anybody in charge of the club since that time. That's what I'm saying. So since 2015, I haven't felt like I've wanted to. Um, And that's really sad because I, you know, I'm, I I was absolutely ardent. Mm. I think you are though, Will. I mean, yeah, I can, I can totally associate with that. But you know, it's your life at some point and there was times, you know, Obviously, our personal lives change and everything, but yeah. there was times when I, I, you know, I would not, I just simply wouldn't miss a game. I, I could never, um, and I would, uh, like like many of us, I guess, you know, there's probably many people listening to this tonight who think the same, you know, life moves on, you get involved in different things and whatever. But yeah, it's the comparison is, I, I feel a little bit like you that the club is, you know, it's, I look at Hewish Park sometimes when you stand there and you think, well, hang on there's nothing here that really is different than it was in the yeah, 1990. The stadium is exactly the same. It's more run down. You know, where was the investment, you know, to, you know, to build social facilities for the fans? Um, you know, we had, we had, we've talked about it, haven't we? We had two games with Man United, one with Liverpool, one with, you know, I don't suppose you can really count the Arsenal one because it was used mm. for other things, but we had a lot of money come into the club and I would have just like to stand there sometimes and be, Look out, you know. Look out there and, and say, "Wow, you know, we spent that money wisely." But it's uh, it is difficult to draw comparison because the times were completely different, weren't they? Oh, it's absolutely different, isn't it? I mean, I'm we're we're harking back now to the times of CFAX and gladiators and sensible soccer and all that stuff. You know, it was <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, maybe I, may, 
Now, maybe I've got rose to, you know, nostalgia ain't what it used to be, Dave, but, uh, uh, you know, um, maybe I'm harking back a bit and thinking this was a wonderful time because I was a teenager and had nothing better to do, you know. It's, uh, but, yeah, no, and, and you, you do get a little bit, I think, um, you can get a little bit bitter about it, but it feels like we've thrown something away, doesn't it? You, you never expected to remain in the championship. You never, and, 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 you know, I'd have been happy, as Tim says, like yo-yo in between League Two and League One, having a few exciting seasons and some good cut runs. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, then a little bit of excitement when you get into League One and get into the playoffs again. You know, it, it, we didn't ever expect to be a Premier League club or to challenge at the top of the championship for no. one second. And why would you? So it just so, feels now like we've we've wasted, mm, mm. you know, we've almost, gone back, we've almost gone back to where we were in the period yeah. we're talking about now. We, we have, we have. I mean, you look at the landscape of football, though, you know, it's it's very, 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 you know, you look, you've only got to look back, Will. Um, you know, Dave, look at the... T- you you would have never... You know, we're now in a position... I'll tell you what sums it up for me. I, I think I put something like this online. I said, we are now in a position where we are hosting Forest Green Rovers in a pre-season friendly yeah. as we're hosting a league club. And, and I can remember going to Forest Green, playing them when we were in the, you know, the, the Alliance League. And at that time, they were in the Hellenic League. And the whole circle... Of uh, turned around. You, you, you obviously got the league now is made up of a lot of smaller clubs. You know your Salfords, Harrogates, Suttons. You know you've got to have a bit of money these days to get in. I don't think Sutton spent a lot, but I mean certainly the last two did, didn't they? Um, you know to get there. And uh, will Yeovil ever be in that position to challenge again as we did under under Gary Johnson? You know when yeah. you know when obviously when um, or you know Goddard Watts oh. Goddard Watts. Much and, it. Yeah, and ultimately it's different times now, isn't it? Because we were always thought of as a big club in non-league and a sleeping giant and a team that should be in the football league. Um, and yeah. we had the best crowds, as you said earlier, in the league, didn't we? We were up in the 2000s and we were always in the top two or three yeah. supported with your likes of Kidderminster and Kettering and the like. Yeah. And and now you've got Wrexham, Notts County, South End. You're going to have like big teams getting 5,000 or more every week. That's right. And it's much, much harder. It's a full-time professional league now in which you need decent budgets. So it, at the moment, it feels a little bit, um, I don't want to really depress everyone listening, but it feels a little bit mm. bleak at the minute. Um, mm. Yet, let's think back to the 90s. It felt We thought we'd lost our club. We thought it was going under Yeah. for more than once over a period of three or four years, most particularly in 1991 and 1992. Um, we thought it was a goner and mm. people rallied around and saved it. So I think as long as the fans are there and I'll be right back in, if we have to, you know, if, if, if the current ownership were to move on or something yeah. to change, or we were in, in the position where we had to start a Phoenix club or something like that, I'd be right back in there. The first moment. Yeah. Okay. Well. Actually, I, did, I did donate to all of the crowdfunders, by the way. I still, it's still in my heart. I, I'm always Yeovil. Well, there's a beautiful, a beautiful poetic note for That's us a, to uh, to bring this conversation to a close. I think. Um, I'm, I'm sure I've heard that lyric somewhere before. <laughs> I, think, I think I think it was Rolf Harrisy, and I'm not sure you're allowed to mention him anymore. Don't get there. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, thank you, Will, and thank you, Tim, for coming on and joining us and um, and sharing your memories as well. And I'm sure. Uh, you know, there'll be a lot of people out there listening to that who will who will share those memories with you. So really appreciate you taking the time to uh, to do it. And um, Ian, any final words from you? No, that was that was great. That was um, really enjoyable just to sit back and listen to you talk about that. And I think the one thing that hopefully our listeners can take from that is, you know, no matter how disenfranchised you get with the football club, you're always going to have those memories that will bring you back in like that that the you know the the connection is never really lost um so you know hopefully hopefully things can turn around and we will all be back and we will all you know be fully behind the club mm-hmm. one day soon yeah when we see will runner on the terraces again that's when we know he's good <laughs> absolutely yeah i'm, I'm like the uh, the bellwether <laughs> I think that's what it's all about though guys it's all about the fact that at the end of the day you know like the like you were saying the, the memories are there but it's the friends especially in the you know what's happened over the last year in the world it's it's the friends that we've all made and that's very important too isn't it because we've absolutely you know, 
Okay. Thanks very much for having us, guys. It's been a, a pleasure. Absolutely. Thanks for your time. And we'll, uh, we'll speak again soon. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard making Boris backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trott. Goal. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY exclusions apply see site for details even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.